Hey everybody, welcome back to the HC Conversations podcast. Um, it's good to be hanging out here today with my good buddy, Paul. Paul? Hey, Phil. How's it going, man? It's great. It's great to be hanging out with my buddy, Phil, as well. Oh, we're buddies. This is awesome. Uh, we've got a couple things to talk about today, so this isn't going to be a, a podcast episode where there is just one topic. Um, this is kind of all over the place. Right. We had several things that uh, we wanted to touch on, but we didn't feel like any of them were going to be like super long conversation. So why don't we just start things right off with the most important topic of the day? Kind of is, actually. You think it is? I don't know. I mean, maybe. I, it's pretty important, I guess, because food is important. Uh, yeah, on the list of things in my life, this one ranks pretty high. Pretty high. No, the last thing we talked about is pretty high too because it's about how we treat people. It is about how we treat people. And that's more important than our food. But. Yes, this first topic, it is important, but it's kind of jokingly important. Right. It's butter. We're talking about butter because <laughs> we heard on a podcast recently that butter just isn't spreadable anymore. And we both yes. both have noticed that. Yes. Although I was telling Phil, like, I've had some butter recently that at room temperature is really nice and spreadable. And we're, we're talking about real butter, okay? Not margarine. No, not, not oleo. As yes, some of the older generation might say, oleo, my grandma used to say. Not oleo. butter flavored Crisco, not olive not, oil not based salve. bread. Not salve. I've yeah. only ever heard one person call it salve. I think we've probably heard the same person call yeah. it salve. Um, but we're talking about butter, like from a cow, butter. And mm -hmm. everybody knows, maybe not everybody, but I feel like people around here know that it's okay to leave a stick of butter out and you let it get soft. Because mm -hmm. when butter is room temperature, it's supposed to be able to spread. Right, that's well, why they make butter dishes. That's right, that's right, just put the lid back on it. When it's not room temperature and you try to spread a piece of that bad boy across some toast. Your, your bread just, becomes spreadable instead of the butter. Yes, it really does. You end up spreading your bread over the butter. But yeah, it seems like now there's certain butters that you leave out at room temperature. And it doesn't get soft. No. I had this problem last week. I was trying to make me a nice piece of toast. Ripped the hole right in the middle of it. That butter had been on my counter since the night before. Hmm. I That's cried, Paul. I cried. Did you? No. With the big, like, crocodile tears? <laughs> One single drop <laughs> rolled down my cheek onto the toast. And it, it came was, to it life. It was dramatic it as was, you watch it. <laughs> the piece of the toast jumped to life and it said, Phil, you put a hole in my belly. And then you ate it. And then I ate it. <laughs> None of that happened except the toast getting So started. spreadable, non-spreadable butter at room temperature is a problem because whenever you are spreading it on a piece of bread or toast, like you don't want to eat just a chunk of butter or else you would just take a spoon and just eat a chunk of butter. Which as a kid, I did that. You are disgusting. Dude, hey, lots of I made, do it. I made mayo sandwiches when I was little. Just two pieces of white bread with some mayonnaise in between. Oh, you have a podcast where you listen to? Holy Post podcast, by the way, shout out. Phil was talking guy's named Phil, shout out, was talking about having butter on crackers with his mm -hmm. granddaughter. Did that as kids too. Hmm. People thought it was weird. Dude, butter on a saltine cracker, it's a great snack. Hmm. Never did that. But, so we're talking about the, we were talking the, about butter. the big, big butter dilemma of 2020, because this, there's a news story out of Canada that Canadians were researching it, but we're like, hey, it's a problem here in the States right. too, um, here locally. This is a, there's a butter epidemic. I think we need to get like the CDC and the dairy industry working on this, right? To figure out what's mm -hmm. what's wrong with our butter. But alas, butter. we were talking about Minerva dairy butter then too. Yeah. 
Because we haven't tried to see if Minerva Dairy Butter, locally made butter, if it's mm -hmm. actually spreadable. Yes, we've got some local butter here. If you, if you haven't had the Minerva Dairy's butter, you should. It's, it's really actually good like one of the best butters in the country. It's won multiple awards. Bakers recommend it. There are butter awards. <laughs> I got a book from from Jacoby for Christmas on just sourdough bread. Yeah. And the I think the food blogger that made this book is from like New York City. Okay. And there's a, a shot in the book that she had actually taken herself. And in the background is an Amish roll of Minerva butter. There you go. Yeah, so maybe you didn't know that about our quaint little town here. Minerva, Minerva Dairy is worldwide. Actually, yeah. It's countrywide. I don't know if it's worldwide, but they make good butter. And their, their flavored butters, oh, they're really good. Mm -hmm. like, like the, the garlic. Oh, the garlic and garlic herb one. Is good. They make like a pumpkin spice one at pumpkin spice good. time. Some pumpkin spice butter on a bagel. In October like, with yeah. a cup of coffee. Oh, like good waffles or, or French toast. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. So we're talking about like jokingly like doing a butter trial because uh, there's a couple other local places mm -hmm. that make some Amish roll butter. So there's Greenfield Farms uh, in Fredericksburg. They make an Amish roll butter, and they're actually like Amish farmers, as opposed to Minerva Dairy Amish roll that. Not too many Amish farmers yes. <laughs> make the Amish roll. And then Hartzler Dairy in Worcester, they've got their own Amish roll butter. Um, and then there's just other brands that maybe we should do a, a butter comparison. Hey, if you're watching this and you like good butter as well, drop us a comment. We'd be, just be curious, what's your favorite what's your butter? your favorite butter? I mean, Minerva Dairy butter is great for baking because it has such a rich flavor. Mm. It gives your baked goods. Or if you're making like a buttercream frosting, very good. There you go. So. So, hey. That's it for butter. But that's it for butter. We like some good butter, support local, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. But there's an issue with butter right now. There is. Nobody knows. Some of the butter is not spreadable, and this is a problem. It's a real problem. All right, on to the next thing. What is the next thing? Beth Moore. Oh. We're on to, from butter Beth. to Beth. Oh, Grandma Beth. Actually, she's not. She's like no, our parents' she's age. Like, she's like our parents' <laughs> age. But it's funny because I see like some people on the internet, like, some Gen Zs, mostly, those crazy Gen Zs. Like, well, I prefer to her as Grandma Beth, and I'm like, oh, she's old enough to be your grandma, but she's like my parents' age, which oh, makes me old. Hmm. <laughs> We're old now. Kind of. Kind of. Not that Gen Z's like yeah. actually a thing in, in the discussions these days. I don't instead want to talk of just... about Gen Z, they annoy me. <laughs> which, which obviously makes me old. Which is funny because, you know, Xer said that about millennials, yeah. and now we're like, <laughs> yeah, Gen Z, they annoy us yeah. a lot. The, the, well, the ones I know don't annoy me. No, but just like the stereotypes. <laughs> the ones the that are like that... internet warriors. Yeah, they do. Yes. Like, I like that you said internet warriors. I will change the world from the internet sitting here. I'm not going to do anything, but I'm going to sit here and type things. I'm like, okay, that's not how the world works, but no, go for it. All right, so Beth Moore. <laughs> yes, Beth Moore. Mama Beth. We're talking Grandma about Beth Moore because... Auntie Beth. Oh, she's like a good, good southern aunt, you know? I don't have a southern Auntie aunt, Beth. but if I did, I wish it was Beth. So you have like the Beth and the Auntie Beth? Auntie Beth. <laughs> like the Christ and the Antichrist. <laughs> Auntie. Auntie Beth. Auntie Beth. Yeah. Uh, Macbeth. Macbeth. Lady Macbeth. Lady Phil, Macbeth. right here. Lady Macbeth. I did. Uh, our senior year of high school for my particular English 4 class, we had to do our own rendition of uh, Macbeth. And like our own uh, version of it, and my group was responsible for I think it was Act One, and we did it in the the kind of the form of like a mob film and called it Grand Theft Macbeth, and uh, one of the roles I played uh, was Lady Macbeth. <laughs> I was a 
Well, it was somebody had to do it. Okay, we were a group of all guys, and um, I could pull the voice off, and just looked stunning in that wig and would red you, would dress. You like from, to, uh, from Granny's Attic, another local establishment. Tell us what that voice sounds like. I can't remember, man. Okay. It's been so thirteen years ago. Fourteen. Fourteen. Four, it'll be fourteen years. Ago. Uh, so I've got another question for mm-hmm. you. Does the church that you grew up in know that you dressed like and played <laughs> a woman? Um. I don't know. Because. And at that time, I wasn't that involved in church. However, several years later, when I was volunteering there we, like for the vacation Bible school in the summer, we you know, had like a money raising goal that we wanted to raise to give to some charity. And if we did that, then all of the guy volunteers. Yeah, I remember that because I had to wear so, prom dress. I was like, we wore dresses <laughs> on the stage of that church. Um, I don't think anything was ever. A complaint was officially lodged, but I, I did hear there were some people that weren't too thrilled about it. That's all. <laughs> they were teaching our children. Like, it was a joke. It was a joke. And everybody knew it everybody. but you. <laughs> so um, anyway. So we're talking about we, Beth We are way Moore, off topic. Um, oh. Because Beth Moore recently came out and announced that she was leaving the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, Beth Moore, for those of you who don't know, is a... a very popular she woman, she's Bible been, study writer. She's been ruffling feathers she for a couple has, years. She has, because she's just been like, hey guys, this isn't right. And just calling out stuff left and right, calling out... Um, Sexism, racism, yeah. and the way that within the Southern the church, Baptist... But also the, yeah, the SBC. Yeah, the SBC has like, been very much pro-Trump and just turned a blind eye to other things that he had done and mm-hmm. mistreatment of women. That was one of the biggest reasons why she wasn't a supporter of, of President Trump. Um, so she uh, received a lot of, of flack for that. and just, That's a nice way of putting it. Yes. I mean, Beth Moore was, has been the butt of many jokes in the SBC and just certain circles and people. Uh, there was a, like a, a convention where you know, they had like, you know, just like a, a fun kind of like game where it's like, okay, first word that pops to your mind when we say this. Mm-hmm. And you know, somebody said Beth Moore and somebody else said, go home. Like, yeah. Beth Moore, you just need to stay home, get back in the kitchen, cook, clean, do all the yeah, stuff that, there that are women of, are supposed to do. A lot of posts and things like that too. Like, go back to where you belong. It's like, ooh. Yeah. Because in certain theological, theological traditions, the idea that, um, that she can <clears throat> teach, especially teach men, is very controversial. Yeah. Um, yep. Everyone, no one, well, not everyone, but like, no one had a problem with Beth Moore until it was, well, while she was just, you go teach your little women's Bible studies, right. but stay in your lane. And then when she started stepping out of what certain people perceived to be her acceptable lane was when it caused a lot of problems. And I say, go Beth Moore. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Good for her. Good for her. It's just, you know, I'm not up close and personal to her life, so I can't obviously see everything. But what I do see from a distance is, I think, what we re- really need to evaluate is, like, what kind of fruit mm-hmm. are people producing? That's a very Christian-y thing to say. But it's like, okay, like, forget the optics of things and, like, the, um, the talking points and stuff. Actually, look, here's what a person says they believe. Here's how they're living. Here's how they're treating people. Here's what they're fighting for. And like, who's producing gospel fruit? Like right. kingdom of Jesus kind of fruit. And it appears as though Beth Moore is. Yeah. Um, and from some of the things that some of her opponents are saying, it's rotten fruit if it's anything. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, 
oh my gosh, it's just mean. It's hateful. It's one thing to disagree with someone, but you cross a line into like just straight up like hatred and filth at a certain point. Right. And it's just like, like I look at what some of the like her opponents are producing versus what she is, and I'm like, and I'm comparing that to the fruit that followers of Jesus are supposed to produce. Right. You know, the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And I'm like, let's see who's got those things and who doesn't. It's like, oh. Yeah, seems like, because Beth, whenever she, she publicly responds to one of her critics, she always does it out of humility. She tries to learn something from that mm -hmm. person instead of just attack and vitriol. Um, it's walking out of a, a spirit of that fruit versus a lot of her opponents. Yeah, they might not agree with her theologically, but they're attacking her. They're they're not producing the yeah. fruit of the spirit that, as followers of Jesus, we're called to to live out of. Um, it's not an option for us. It's like if you're filled with the spirit, these are the things that you will produce. Mm -hmm. That's that's just quite the conundrum. Not really a conundrum, but like when we think about how we see a lot of Christians acting and behaving. It's like, if, if we use that as the filter, like not, um, do you say you believe the right things or do you go to church or do you vote a certain way or whatever, but if we use the, do, is there evidence of the fruit of the spirit in your life? Love, joy, peace, patience, good. Like even, is there evidence of those things in you even while you are dialoguing and interacting with people that you disagree with? Right. It's like, ooh. Right. Because not a lot of that. Jesus said, you will know a tree by its fruit. its fruit. He also said, I am the vine, you're the branches. Any uh, branch that does not produce fruit, I will cut off oh. and it will be thrown into the fire. Yeah. Uh, and so you, you have a lot of branches attached to the vine that are not really producing fruit mm -hmm. or the fruit that, that Jesus desires. And, and Jesus has very harsh words for those yeah. people. I don't know, it's like we've, we've, we've sometimes made more of an emphasis and a point um, in, across all spectrums of right belief, right theology, of saying the right thing, of like, I have to fight for the truth rather than, no, I'm called to produce fruit. Right. Um, and like the fruit almost gets sacrificed for the truth. Right. You know what I mean? Like, well, I know that this is, completely counter to what the fruit of the spirit is or how I should live. But by golly, I have to say this mm -hmm. because it's right belief. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that if what we deem as right belief ever comes at the cost of sacrificing the fruit of the spirit or sacrificing the kind of love that Jesus commands of us, then it's not right belief. Right. Even though it might look like it. Right. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that, um, and I, I, I never really thought about this until on our Alpha uh, weekend, actually last weekend, not yesterday, whoa, but the whoa, weekend whoa, before. Whoa, whoa. Get it right. Alpha. Alpha. Because it's from the UK. Because it's from the UK, Alpha. so it's Alpha with an R at the Alpha. end. It's just more fun. Um, so on the Alpha weekend, you know, they were talking about, you know, you can have, you can <clears> be a Christian, but yet not be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's, you know, evidence of that in the Bible. It's Christians in Antioch, you know, Peter, yeah, is it Peter? Paul. Paul. Paul asked if they'd been filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're like, we didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. What's that? So I think we have a lot of, of Christians in the United States that haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, and therefore they are not producing 
that fruit that comes with with walking in step and being filled with the spirit because once the spirit fills you man like it is going to change you yeah like you cannot live an unchanged life because the fact that you're filled with the spirit i mean the the fact that you're living out of those things is evidence that you're filled with the spirit yeah because they are the fruit of the Spirit. Not the, not the fruit of you. They're the fruit of the spirit. Yeah, because what comes out of us, and Paul says, like, everything right unclean. That, uh, right before that, he says, like, well, in the works, the works of the flesh are, and he just rattles down this list of things. It's like, envy, yeah, that sounds greed, like the basic human anger, condition. drunkenness, <laughs> yeah. orgies, and all these other things. But the fruit of the spirit. So, like, without the spirit, it's like, here's what we naturally produce. It's like mm -hmm. garbage. With the spirit, the spirit produces something in you, through you, right? So. So I think that's that's part of our problem that we haven't been filled with the Spirit, and when it comes to the fruit, uh, especially in our Western American culture, we think, oh, those aren't manly, so we don't have to practice yeah. or walk in any of those, and so we just kind of ignore, ignore them because they look like like weakness. They do. Um, but Jesus said, "Blessed are the meek, blessed mm -hmm. are the humble." Um, but yeah. we, we think that when it comes to Christianity in the West, especially manly Christianity, that we can somehow ignore those. But when we look at Jesus and the life that he led, <clears throat> Jesus was very clearly filled with all those things. He was humble. Mm -hmm. He was meek. But meek doesn't mean weak. But then people are like, but Jesus made a whip. Oh, so, gosh, I hate that. That's so out of context. Yes. And just because Jesus made a whip, it doesn't say he actually beat anybody with the whip. Right. Okay. <laughs> It doesn't mean that we as his followers have to imitate that. Yeah. Because what did Jesus then do? He died. Yeah. He died. And yeah. Christians don't want to die to themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you take... Uh, we've told you this podcast was one almost anywhere today. Because we were talking about Beth Moore. Now we're just on a, a conversation of the fruit of the Spirit. It actually leads into the next topic, too. Okay, but... Whenever we get there. Whenever we get there. <laughs> Maybe not till tomorrow at this rate. Um, but, like, if you take... Let's just take like the Christian out of it for a minute and just try to be like, okay, I'm not, not thinking about a Bible verse and I'm looking at a person that's like, you know, really loving, full of joy, they're, they're peaceful, they're patient, they're gentle, they're kind. I'm thinking, well, that person, like, they're not strong. You know, they're, 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 uh, they're weak. Mm -hmm. They're, and again, because of what we've done with like, uh, specifically like gender stereotypes in culture with making that well that those are feminine attributes right and it's like um wait a second no those are christ follower attributes like that that's what the fruit of the spirit is but we somehow like detach that um yeah and so we we really adopt kind of uh worldly attributes and like you know strength and power and it's like Okay, well, absolutely, Christ was strong. Christ had power. Like we're, we're called to walk in strength and power in these different things, but that's the nature of the kingdom. It's completely flipped upside down. What strength looks like mm -hmm. is dying to yourself. What right. power looks like is serving others. It's, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's these kind of things. Yeah, so it's like, ah, ah, no, no, no. You don't just get to come along and say, hey, those things aren't that important. It's like, no, that's what the... The Jesus following life is about it's these things being produced in you and it's going to look weird mm -hmm. it should look weird right mm -hmm. so seek those things instead of trying to attack somebody who's maybe theological position you don't agree with yeah um, rather ask yourself and look am I producing the fruit of the spirit mm -hmm. and Beth Moore whenever she responds to somebody I, I, I thought of this earlier and I have to have to add this in 
She always responds with wit. Oh, she's so funny. Um, <laughs> you know, back uh, around election time, there is a string of tweets and uh, you know, she had made people responding back to her and she re replied, you know, for those of you that are going so far as to curse my womb, I'll just save you the, the trouble of doing that because I had a hysterectomy four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but like, again, these are Christians who are cursing. So like, first of all, it's just a weird thing to do. I know, I hate this person. I curse your womb! Like, but like, what the heck? I don't care if you disagree with someone. Yeah. You bless, you bless, you don't curse. You're like, mm -hmm. pretty sure it's in the Bible somewhere. Yeah, look at Balaam. Oh my gosh. Dude, I was just... In the I, Old Testament. I'm in Numbers right now. Are you, are you as well? Was, no, I'm in Judges. Okay. Or Joshua. Right. About to go into Judges. Ooh, it's Ooh, a dark that's a fun... Dark book. <laughs> it's a dark, but anyway, yeah, I just read about Balaam. It's just... Oh, gosh. Here, curse these people. Curse these, I like, can't. No, I just keep blessing, blessing them. them. I can't help it. But yeah, we're, we're called to, to bless. Bless, not curse. But anyway, yeah. Uh, so How leads, you treat people matters, is what we're saying. And so that leads into our next question. This is a listener question still on the heart paper. So if you've got questions, you can even give it to us on heart-shaped paper. Um, heart-shaped locket. Heart-shaped box. Why is there so much negativity from Christians to the LGBT community? You're just going to look at me for a response I, on that? I am. You're just like... Phil, you answer this question. No, we're both going to talk about this. So this ties into our last discussion where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. I think part of it is because a lot of Christians haven't been filled with the mm -hmm. Spirit. And so they're acting out of themselves, out of the flesh, instead of that Spirit of God that produces in us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And I think a lot of that is a lack of discipleship. Mm -hmm. That Christians... Uh, have been taught, okay, if you want to go deeper in your faith, you just have to know more. Mm -hmm. Which there's nothing wrong with, with studying the Bible. In fact, you should. There's nothing wrong with knowing a lot, but it's the application, the transformation mm -hmm. of the heart that, that Jesus is really after. You know, Scripture says, you know, uh, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Yeah, it's the Apostle Paul. Yeah. Yep. And, um, yeah, I, I had something on that number it was. So we focused on, on, okay, if we want to make, you know, mature disciples and it's just, we've got to train them a lot. They've just got to know a lot. If we give an exam, mm -hmm. they can pass it. If they have, if we have a sword drill, then they can find whatever sword, verse sword we drill. show, we should, we should, we, you know, we throw their way, but that doesn't make a, a mature follower. So we've had a lot of people grow up in the church thinking that they are mature when mm -hmm. our previous conversation illustrates that they're not. And it'll, Part of that is just the culture that, um, you know, in our country that saw church more as a social club and institution, just like the Rotary or like Kiwanis, the Lions. But, you know, these people just got together. We did good things in our community and that was it. But the church is much better and, and more beautiful than that. It's a place for the brokenhearted, for, you know, the downtrodden, for the oppressed, for the, the widow. It's a place where we're called to to seek justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God, to serve those who are in need, yeah. to love the least of these, and not to love, you know, not to to hate mm -hmm. and, and produce all these other things that we see the church producing instead. Yeah, I, I like the way that the listener even frames the question of why is there so much negativity mm -hmm. towards the LGBT community within Christianity or within the church? Because it's not even a question of 
like theological position? No. What do you believe about these things? Because there are different churches and traditions that land all kinds of different places within um, the questions of, of the LGBT conversation of human sexuality and what scripture says. But the question just simply is, regardless of where you land theologically, like I said, that's a whole conversation. And honestly, like a lifetime of unpacking and like parsing out the text and figuring that out. The question simply is, no matter where you land, why is there so much negativity? Like, why is there, um, like we were talking about in our previous conversation, conversation of the, just the hatred towards people, the mm -hmm. vitriol, the, look, we, why can't we disagree on things and you just not completely like rip a person apart right. or curse a person? Um, so I, I appreciate that it's framed that way because yeah. I think as a follower of Jesus on any topic, there is a certain way that you treat people regardless of what they believe, what they look like, whether they're a Christian or not, whether they ever become a Christian, whether they hate you or not, whether they're your enemy, like there's a way that you treat people mm -hmm. and it's the way of love. It's the way of the cross. So Yeah, and I think part of it is the culture um, <clears throat> in the church that saw apologetics as like a weapon. A, way, a weapon, a way to, we've got to stand for and defend the truth. Well, I'm pretty sure God's word needs no defending that it can stand on its own that it is living and active and can do all these incredible things but yet we've just decided nah, yeah, that's yeah the it's not really that powerful so we need to be more powerful and then we need to def just stand for the truth and so in the name go ahead go, no, no you, you go, go ahead no you go, you, go ahead no you, no you so in the name of trying to stand for the truth we have run over people that you know we're in our churches that maybe you know were identified as uh, with the LGBT community, mm -hmm. and we didn't know that. Yeah. We thought, okay, they're out there, they're not one of us, and I, I mm -hmm. think that's a big problem is too many Christians don't know somebody. Yeah. And if they, they know somebody, it's like, well, I've gotta stand for the truth, so that means I've gotta, I've gotta you know, give them all these Bible verses, we've gotta do this, instead of, okay, we don't agree, but I'm still gonna love you. Yep. So it just that, that phrase, we're going to stand for the truth, going to defend the truth. To my knowledge, like that's not, that's not a biblical idea. Like no. there is no, there's nothing that says, hey, follow Jesus, here's your job, to stand for the truth. It's like, no, what we are called to do is to show people, to point people to Jesus, mm -hmm. to tell people about Jesus, to live our lives following Jesus. And he is the way, the truth, and the life, right? So right. our job is to show people the beauty of Jesus. Right. And once people start following Jesus and they receive the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts people of sin and righteousness, that leads people into truth because God is truth. Is it's true. not our job to convict people of sin and righteousness. No, it's, hey, here's Jesus. Isn't he, isn't he great? We've got it backwards. We've said that our job is to defend the truth, show people the truth, and once they see the truth, then they'll believe in Jesus. Right. Well, no, we're called to show people Jesus. Mm -hmm. And once they see him, he will reveal truth to them. And so like that just gets the whole thing messed up because again, it puts us in every conversation in this defensive posture. Um, so yeah, that whole idea of just defending the truth. It's like, wait, that's not... It, it's the posture of the religious leaders of Jesus' day. Yeah. Well, they stood for the truth. Mm -hmm. Jesus, why are you eating with those unclean people with sinners and tax collectors? You know, they were like... A lot of us today, that's like, why are you hanging out with those people over there? Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, I came not for the well, but 
sick. Of sick because I came to seek and save that which is lost. You're part of the, you know, the, the sheep of Israel. You're, you're already good. You're in the fold. I'm just talking about how we do discipleship, sticking people in a classroom too, just like reminds me of that conversation because if you're talking about like knowledge, like theological positions, like what do we believe about God and the scripture, like Jesus and the religious leaders of his time, they were pretty much in lockstep in terms yeah. of here's what we believe, here's who God is, here's what we believe, here's what our scriptures say. But it was in the the application of that, that right. like the the uh, was it theopraxy, like the yeah. practice of your theology, not just the knowledge of it. Um, and so yeah, we, we run into that problem. Um, so back to the why is there so much negativity? You, you kind of also said like you touched on, you know, those are that's them. There's those people out there, and there's none of us here who are part of the church. And so if we don't we don't know anyone um, who's a part of the LGBT community, which this is stereotypical, but if that's the case, and you're probably part of an older generation, mm -hmm. because it's hard, you, you can't be part of our generation or younger, right? And not just know someone, but like you're friends with or you're related to, right? Like these are real people with real stories. But part of, I think, why there's so much negativity in the church is because up until recent history, there's been so much negativity in the broader culture. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not just a church problem. Um, there was hate and discrimination and negativity just by the culture at large towards members of the LGBT community. And the church oftentimes is just a few decades downstream of culture. Um, and so while culture is now pushing towards uh, inclusion and equality and defending people's rights, the church is still kind of resisting that. Um, not, not saying that that's like an excuse and saying the church should do that, but I think it just kind of explains where the church is. And I know among, not everybody, but there's a lot of, of um, Christians and older generations of followers of Jesus that like, the church is still like their safe haven. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in terms of like faith or theology, but just like life, like everything around them has changed. And like, that's the one place that I can go where nothing has changed. <laughs> Even down to like the decor, it still looks like the 1960s. Okay, but like there is kind of that idea. And I think, right. I think that has something to do with it too, of just like, no, 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 the world is changing so fast. I won't let it change in here. And then that gets projected onto people mm -hmm. and says, well, if you're trying to push for these things, or even if you're not trying to push for it, you're just a part of this group, you're my enemy. Right. You're because, trying to take something away from me. Because if you're part of a church and you come out, then that means, okay, so you're not one of us anymore. Now you're part of you're them, them and they are trying to do this. They are trying to take away our religious freedom and mm -hmm. stuff. Instead of saying, okay, let's have a conversation. Let me get to, to know your story and get to understand you better. Yep. Um, because at, at, when that happens, we immediately cut off relationship instead of stepping deeper into relationship mm -hmm. with those people. Um, and that's what Jesus calls us to do, yeah. to, to dive in, to get to know people, uh, because it, it's messy. It's, it, I mean, people just in general in relationships are never like as linear as we want them to be. No. They're, they're messy, they're, they're messed up. Um, and we want to avoid that stuff yeah. because it's not easy. It's difficult. And, I, and like the life of a, of a Jesus follower is to jump into the messy middle of life. It's right. like you jump in and you do life with people and you walk alongside people that agree with you, those that don't, that live like you, those that don't, that, those that are Christians, those that aren't, those who might be some. It's like you're just called to, to journey along with people. Right. Like 
you commit yourself, I'm following Jesus, I'm following him with a group of people, and I'm just going to be okay, like, wading through. Like the, but we have an uncomfortability with that. Mm-hmm. Of like, on, like, that requires going deep with people over the long haul. Right. And we're just like, no. Like, I, I, want, I want, like, instant results, or let me just stay shallow with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, hearing someone's story... That just like violates that. Like, no, I, I can't really. Because that breaks all of our categories that we have. Yeah. Because whenever we, you know, hear that somebody's a member of the LGBT community, then we automatically put them in this box. But when we get to know them, then that box is shattered. And so we're like, okay, what do we do now? Yeah. My belief system that I had set up is suddenly. It's suddenly, yeah. Like, yeah, gone. I'm trying to, you know, reconstruct a new a new system. And it's it's so it's so binary. Oftentimes, it's okay. I'm a Christian. And so the LGBT or LGBTQ or LGBTQ plus, depending on who you're talking to, right? Like that community, none of them can be Christian. Right. And they're my enemy. And it's like, and I know some like followers of Jesus, pretty faithful followers of Jesus that would identify as part of the LGBT community. Right. And they're like, wait, 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 I don't have a category for that. It's like, see, that's the problem. We have these categories of like, but, and, and again, like certain things are important and truths are important and learning and following Jesus, but... It's, it's messy. Like the mm-hmm. whole thing is just messy. Um, and it's supposed to be. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be easy. <laughs> but we want it to be. We want everything to be the easy black and white. And then again, then I can decide who's in and who's out. I can decide who's, um, who's with me, who's an enemy. Right. But, I mean, the Apostle Paul said, we do not battle against flesh and blood. Meaning, like, our enemy isn't the person standing next to you. Our enemy... As the principalities and powers, the, the forces of darkness and evil in this world, but yeah. um, Jesus has conquered anyways. So really, there isn't any actual enemy. Yeah. People are not the enemy. Yeah, that, and by the way, that's what it means to walk in victory. It's not like walking in victory is not like name it, claim it, walk in victory. It's like no, like Jesus is victorious over the powers of darkness like, and over sin in your life. And so yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, All right. You, you're I was just going to kind of wrap up this conversation. Oh, I felt like I wanted to say one more thing. I don't remember what it was. Man, I hate when that happens. You say my name, say my name? No. no. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, just on the topic of like stories and getting to know people. Like This is why again, we pattern our lives after Jesus. His like go-to move was to go to people's house and eat with them. Like, we're needing safe space, but we do the same thing. Church is my safe space. I need my safe space. It's like, nothing is a threat to you as a follower of Jesus. 
if your faith is genuine, if your faith is truly in him, like no one's, no one can take that away. Right. And so therefore no one needs to be your enemy and you don't need to hate anyone. And you can come from every conversation, even with people you may disagree with, with love. And you can come beside people and say, hey, I'm trying to follow Jesus. I'd love for you to follow him as well. Let's journey through this together. And he'll do whatever he's going to do in your right. life. So why is there so much negativity towards people in the LGBT community? Um, to kind of sum it up, it's because there's a lack of discipleship in our country and the church. There is uh, also cultural pressures and the church is just behind the culture. Um, also, because the, the desire to stand for truth, we've cut off relationship with people that are in that community that might have been part of our church already. So at the end of the day, you know, we're just trying to, to follow Jesus. We're trying to, to be disciples who make disciples. And we're still trying to figure out what that looks like. We're not perfect at this at all. It's a lifetime um, journey. It is a lifetime journey. So we invite you to be part of that journey. If you're listening or you're watching, maybe consider joining us um, for one of our Sunday, Sunday gatherings. We're resuming on-site gathering on Easter. Uh, or join us for one of our virtual gatherings online. Uh, on a Sunday morning, if you want to be you know, deeper into Christian community, we'd love to, to journey with you. Yep. So keep following Jesus. Consider following Jesus. That's all we got. That's all we got. We'll see you next time. Yep. Take care.